Welcome to What's the Buzz Without a Podcast. This podcast is for beekeepers from Atlantic Canada who want relevant, timely information about beekeeping in their region. We feature beekeepers and experts with specialist insight into our beekeeping and pollination industry. I'm Andrew Byers, your host for this episode. Today, we will be speaking with our guests, Sandra and Mario Swinkles. Sandra and Mario are beekeepers from the Anaganish area of Nova Scotia. Their family-run business extends to most areas of beekeeping. They're involved with pollination services for wild blueberries, honey production, and many value-added hive products. I'd like to thank Sandra and Mario today for talking to us and taking time from their busy schedule. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Mario. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Oh, no, it's our pleasure. Um, as promised and as you've been warned, we kind of like to start things off with getting you to give us a funny anecdote about your beekeeping experience before we delve into the serious side of it. What comes to mind is when we first got bees, I wasn't really on board. And he got home at like 11.30 at night with these bees and couldn't see what he was doing to unload them, kind of dropped the hive and they ended up up his pant leg. So he got stung all around his ankles and they were swollen and I thought, well, ha, good enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> she was not impressed that no. we bought bees. That was, no, like, but, but, well, that was the worst thing. Yeah. Enjoyed watching you as a beekeeper from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I yeah. know the feeling, I, you know, when you're in the bee yard and, and one starts up your pant leg. And, and there's not much you can do because your options are usually, well, I can just leave it. I can try and swat it, but I know it's going to sting me. Right. I can drop my trousers in the bee yard and try and get rid of it, which is also a bad idea. <laughs> but you just you just wait to see how far up your pan like it's going to go before it stings you. So, yeah, yeah. I think many of us many of us have, have been there. Um, I, I know Mary, you you've been beekeeping um, since well, if you don't mind my saying, uh, forty years nearly. I started in the mid eighties. But it wasn't a serious beekeeping. I had a dozen hives and beekeeping was quite easy. I remember my first pollination. Uh, this guy comes to my yard and he says, you know, I'll give you 10 bucks to put that bee box in my blueberry yard. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that. And at that point there was no varroa, there was no, and beekeeping was here, you drop the box, you let it do what it did and so it stayed in that blueberry field for almost a month and a half because at that point there was no sprays to be put on and there were still lots of wildflowers throughout the blueberry field. So it's evolved quite a bit from then. Uh, I probably spent 10 years back then, mid 90s, late 90s. I, uh, I moved into Anakinish town, so that wasn't a great place to keep bees. So we kind of get out of it. And then 10 or 15 years ago, we started into it again. And uh, that's where Sandra was just alluding to the idea that we unloaded four boxes in the backyard here to get started. And yeah, I took my hits for it. Yeah. And then Sandra, uh, at what point did you decide that you'd like to get involved with beekeeping? And It didn't take that long. Once we got honey, I got excited because I love honey. 
And then he, Muriel, made me some beeswax, and that's when I really got interested. I was like, what could I make with this beeswax? So I started making lip balms, deodorant, moisturizer, soap, and that's where it all started. Okay. Yeah, I've had a look at your website, and you've got a, a great range of, of products there. Most of these products were developed for initially for you and your family before they were yeah. able to market them? And then I started, you know, posting pictures on Facebook and then people were like, oh, you should start selling and that's how it started. Perhaps we'll come back to that, uh, Sandra, and we can, yeah. we can talk about the retail side of the business. But if, if maybe we can start from, from the, uh, the beekeeping and your beekeeping operation as it, as it currently is and your involvement with pollination too, Mario, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I, my brother, who was a big blueberry guy, really pushed the idea that you should get some pollination done. You should do more pollination. He kind of pushed me to take that level from 50 to 100. And then from 100 on, actually, Sandra pushed me because she needed more honey and wax and whatever she needed. And uh, today we're running between 350 and 400 hives. It's a full-time job. I'm at it every day to keep up with it. We're on that edge that it's almost too much work for one person to do. Uh, no, we're past that edge. We're, you know, we're, we're over the edge of one person. Uh, so we're looking to make either that next step forward and hire people and go in that direction. It is a difficult transition. I hear that from a lot of beekeepers. You know, you get to that two, three hundred point and then the the commitment in terms of resources and money and and manpower or, or um, workers is changes completely yes and 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 the uh the, the pollination factor which is big right now uh you know you need two things to make a living at beekeeping you need at least the honey which is the beekeeping side of it but you also need a pollination or selling bees or raising queens you need two of those items you can play one with the other and you can go forward and you can make a, a good living in the maritimes with that uh, one alone i think is a little difficult it's good to start as a sideline business outside of that you need the two so ours is basically three we have our pollination our honey and then all the stuff that sandra does with the byproducts Okay. And you're, you're lucky enough to, to be in a beautiful part of the maritime region in Antigonish and, and keeping bees up into Cape Breton? I'm lucky enough, too, that I grew up as a farm boy and I know all the farmers in the area. So it makes it nice to have that connection. So when I'm looking for a yard or they're looking for bees in their farms, it's we know each other. You know, the, the family name is known out there. So it's it's kind of nice that way. It's very easy to pick up yards when you have a connection. Good. And is there, there are particular challenges, especially when you get up into the Cape Breton region with, with weather and climate for beekeeping? Wind, wind is a big item, but you know what? Years ago, we saw a big difference between what we would see in central Nova Scotia to northern Nova Scotia to Cape Breton. You could do a pollination, for instance, I could do a pollination in central Nova Scotia 
and two weeks later ship those same bees to Cape Breton to get another pollination in. Today, it's not the case. The global warming has gotten rid of most of that, you know, that uh, change in temperature. When it gets warm in spring, which we don't get a lot of in Atlantic Canada, but when we do get spring and it's warm, it's the same all over now. It's interesting in, in talking with beekeepers, and, and I do bring it up, but it's quite often brought up to me that the seasonality is so unpredictable and this climate change seems to be, um, you know, it isn't and it's, um, just that we're getting hot and dry summers, which we seem to be, but it's extreme weather events. It's um, moving the, the season, spring and, and fall. So you're, you're seeing a, a big impact with your beekeeping operation with that? Yeah, with, like I said, with the pollination, no longer can you do two pollinations. You do a pollination. What's happening in Cape Breton Highlands in the blueberry fields is almost identical to what's happening in Anikinish in the blueberry fields. Perhaps one, two or three days in a difference, but no large difference, not a two week difference like we used to see. That does make an impact. You know, there's, you're, you're trying to stretch out all these bees and for all these berry fields and uh, now we can't anymore. And that, that efficiency with the use of our bees, I think is gonna be really important if we wanna be self-sufficient in our maritime provinces with, with the number of bees matching the demand for, for pollination services. Um, what time scale is it over that you've seen this change, Mario? Is that just the last couple of years or is that something you've noticed? It's been the last six, seven years that you're getting less and less of a of a time change in in the area so like for instance this year there was very little we uh we moved bees to cape breton and the fields were half done by the time we got there you know they were through so the particular fields that we moved them to the guy has actually has fields here in Anikinish, and he has fields in cape breton so we split between the two and he's fine with that so it works for him yeah Interesting. And um, the bees after pollination come home to honey yards or do you keep bees for honey production in Cape Breton as well? I keep bees in Cape Breton as well. Again, it's the same timeline. You know, there's not a lot of difference. The winters are colder there. But as far as the summer goes, the summers are as warm as here. So, you know, the, the timeline differences, I don't leave them in the mountains of the blueberry areas. I take them down in through Mabu and uh, to the Nevada Valley in that area. You know, it's a warmer area. It's in, yeah, there's not a lot of change in, interprovincially. And that being said, many years we're lucky that we have the cooler climate. We didn't get a drought, uh, you know, in the year. And so we end up with a fairly good production throughout the year. Mm. It's great to see the diversity across the, the province and across the region, but it's also surprising that Anaganish is not that far from Colchester and, and Pictou counties, and we saw a severe drought this summer. So I think the different weather in the, uh, in the highland regions of Anaganish and Cape Breton must serve you well to buffer against those sorts of droughts. We could almost see a line through half our production area that this side was a drought and the other side had lots of rain. And mm -hmm. you could see that in the, in the uh, pulling honey yeah. where the rain stopped. So you were, you were pleased with your crop this year? 
we we had a slightly above average crop. So yeah, we were very pleased. That's excellent, considering what what other beekeepers, um, be your neighbors essentially, well in the province saw. Yeah, right in the town of Anikinish or anything around the town of Anikinish was very dry. And as we moved east, we found more more rain. And then there was a there was one area that it rained completely. And ten miles further east, there was nothing. And then rain again. So it was very spotty. With your honey production side of, of the business, um, you have uh, set up a honey line in Anaganish that you use to extract your honey? Yeah, so we have, uh, what we're running right now is a Maxent chain uncapper into uh, a spinner. And then we have two 20 radial extractors that go from there. And two people can do that fairly easily. Um, that works fairly good for us, although I think our next step is to move to a gallon line and a guineas uncapper. So uh, we're looking quite extensively into that right now. Yeah. So how long have you had the line that you're working at the moment? Uh, for about five years, but it, it's starting to get too long a time period. You know, it takes us almost a month and a half to complete our extracting, which is, you know, there's other jobs you have to get done in that time frame. So we're, we're looking at trying to increase the efficiency in it. Okay. And then your bottling facility is, is there as well? Yes. So we run, uh, all, we do everything by hand at the bottling facility. We have uh, three bottling tanks, Maxent bottling tanks, and everything is done by hand there. And we also run a, uh, a lot of creamed honey. I bought a uh, cream machine and uh, yeah, we do, we do flavors in that. And that's a great thing to be doing once everything shuts down. We can do the creamed honeys, pack them away for, you know, once they're in the fridge, they're, they're good for forever. So it's it kind of, that's kind of nice. So we can do that all winter, keep us busy that way. That was one of the last conversations you and I had. In, in what we're calling the before times. We we're talking about cream honey because it was a fairly new venture for you and I was interested in finding out some more about it. But I think the date that we were actually supposed to meet up and talk, which was uh, one of our provincial associations, AGM, was the 13th of March. And we all know what happened right around that weekend. Our, our whole lives changed drastically. Um, and uh, Mariano, I, I think we've known each other for a number of years and, and always uh, managed to get some time at our meetings to have a, to have a chat, um, but that's changed completely. How, how has the pandemic affected you and, and your business? Has it, has it been um, big changes for you? It hasn't been a lot of big changes. You know, we are pretty isolated in the bee yard, as everyone knows, so isolation factors in a bee yard are pretty good. Uh, the other thing to that is people are reaching out to get the products that we have because they feel that it's important, first of all, to shop local. And they're also feeling that these are, you know, good products that they don't want to go to a grocery store to all those large, you know, whatever contact situations. And so, uh, yeah, we're doing quite well, actually. Uh, I'm very pleased with the way uh, we've, we're getting through this pandemic stuff. People have recognized the importance of supporting each other and, and along with that there's been the support for local locally produced uh, 
food and, and other products. So yeah, I think that it has served some, some producers very well. Um, so the, the online business and the, and the, um, the farmer's market and the retail business, I think we, we've kind of talked to Mario up to the point of the honey extraction. And is that the, the point, Sandra, where you pick things up? Yes. I go, I'm the one that goes to the markets and sells okay. and I have a website where people order stuff and I ship stuff out and yeah, like even during the shutdown when there was no market, people would put in orders throughout the week and then I would park in the bowling alley parking lot for people to pick up and it was busy. You started the, the, the retail, the, the direct selling with honey? Yep. Originally, um, and then it, it developed on from there? it did yeah i started making natural care products and beeswax candles and people started buying and that's when i started selling at markets and then now i sell to different retailers and i have an online store and it's going great a retail side of it um what what's the balance or or proportion of the products you sell what what we call farm gate direct from your farm or the extension of Farmgate being the farm markets and then into retail and online and, and online selling. So yeah, so I started with the market and then once I got known, uh, then all these retailers started getting in touch with me and we sell to quite a few stores. Yeah, I'd say we're probably running about 35, 40% to retail. Yeah. With the online sales, is that still mostly local people or are you shipping? No, I have people from geez, all across, even some people in the US because, you know, when before COVID hit, there was always tourists and then they would start buying my stuff, you know, at the market and then they liked the products. So they would go to my website and like I got an order last night for in the US, I'm going to ship out today. So yeah, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And especially this year, the online um that like the website has been busy because the tourists can't really get here right so i've been busy shipping stuff out well one of the things there it takes a year or two or three or four or five every year you gain a little bit more a little bit more and it takes that longevity so the first year you start doing this it was you know we ran a hundred hives that we were really starting to move things and Sandra was making lots of stuff and, and that was starting to move. And then we found that we needed more of both. So we added up, you know, 150 hives and then, and then the products that were going got a little more. So then we end up with 200 and we are where we are today, but it takes time. New people to the, the industry and, and aspiring beekeepers would, would sort of look at you and say, well, that maybe would be, what we'd like to grow to in in the next number of years but I think with starting any business there's there's real challenges um so what what would you say would would be for people starting out what would be some of the things that they need to they need to be prepared to face long hours um I'm gonna say Sander works probably 16 hours a day um and we both work seven days a week Sometimes they're busier than others. You know, pollination season to me is, is a, I hate to say it, but it's a dreadful season. I'm tired at the end of it. You work all night and I can't sleep all day and you have, you know, two weeks to get them out and then another two weeks to bring them home. So it's, it's a long 
tiresome process, but at the end of the day, you're pretty happy with getting things done. You can look back and say, hey, I did this today or I did that today. And it, it, you do have a, a good satisfaction feeling out of that. It sounds like farming. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm my, my brother's a dairy farmer and he keeps saying, no, no, you can't call that farming. <laughs> yeah. But I think if you if you compare those two industries, if someone was wanting to start out in beekeeping and someone was wanted to start out in, in dairy or or other uh, aspects of agriculture, the, the hard work is is in common. But maybe the, the initial resources required might be less. For sure. I mean, if you're starting a dairy farm, for instance, you are looking at millions to get going. Here you can start with, you know, 10, 20 hives, get your foot in the door. Then you work your way up to 40 hives and then you keep putting it back. I look at our pollination right now as our means to grow for next year. The monies we get from pollinations goes directly back into the business to upgrade to our next level. So someone starting out, there would be an opportunity to say you, you, you keep your nine to five and, and you, can, you can begin with, with weekends and evenings through the beekeeping yeah. season until you can build to a point where. That's what I did. Yeah. I was working full time and then it was getting to the point where I could not, I couldn't do both. So I had to make a decision and I love doing this. So I decided to go with what I love and I don't regret it. As beekeepers progress now your your challenge as you say is your your desire to grow but just the, to decide are we going to commit to that next big leap with the the money and and effort that it's going to require yeah i think we're always dreaming ahead um i know i've already looked at a gallon line to uh, help increase the extraction or decrease the extraction time looking at another building to for storage and to now that we know the business we can put that building exactly the way we want uh, i think that what makes a difference and you know the thing about beekeeping and even the building it's like carpentry everyone can do carpentry everyone does it a little different but it everyone is still right at the end of the day they've built this house and it's sturdy and strong and that's the same thing as beekeeping we may take a couple different ways to do it but at the end of the day those bees are still making honey and we're still producing a product yeah no i like that analogy that that you've built your your house which is your beekeeping business yeah yeah very good um and i know mario as well you, you, your involvement with the industry doesn't just stop with your own beekeeping operation you've been quite involved with with the association, sort of the governance side of the industry through the Honey Council and the, uh, the Nova Scotia Beekeepers Association and uh, work with a lot of beekeepers. And um, it, it might be of interest, especially to people who are, who are new. And, and we had a brief conversation um, just before to make sure all the technology was gonna work for us. And, and we, we, as we always do when we talk, you, you know, you, you're on a on topic that you're interested in. So we get off track a little bit. Well, we were just talking about how hard it might be for someone who, who is coming into this industry fresh and new. But uh, I think, and, and I'll let you give your opinion, but I think there's support for those people through, through the, the, the broader industry. There certainly is. I mean, uh, gov there's government support. Each, each and every year and each and every province has 
some support for, uh, actually, I just looked at the Newfoundland one the other day, and I think their government is giving uh, 300,000 per year. And when you look at the number of beekeepers in there, you know, that's that's a, a support of, uh, I think, a little over $20,000 per beekeeper if they, mm-hmm. if they want to uh, engage in that. So that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, help to get started and to get your feet out of the ground. Again, it's a lot of work to get your feet down on the ground, but once you do that, I think you feel that you've created something for it. So, Do you have any just general tips for these people who are going to be listening to us thinking, yes, I want to start now. I want to become a beekeeper. I, I think I've mentioned this before. My biggest tip would be follow someone that actually is doing a good job. Go find that beekeeper. Myself, I jumped in with uh, now a good friend, Paul Kittleson, and you know he and John showed me what is important in beekeeping and how to how to maintain yourself through that commercial section. And I don't think I could have done it without their help. Uh, that, that really gave me the inspiration of this is how it should go. The other part that I got an inspiration was is actually traveling through. Canada and, and looking at the operations throughout Canada, Western Canada is totally amazing. They are running between 10 and 20,000 hives per beekeeper. And when you look at the logistics that they have to keep themselves going, Canada has the, by far the largest beekeepers in the world. That saying, you know, 20,000 hives is not heard of in many countries. Yes. Yeah, and, and as you know, Mario, my my introduction to beekeeping wasn't in the maritime region. Um, and then when I moved, uh, being from here, moved home, as we say, I found that the, the beekeeping community was hugely welcoming. And um, I, I, I always um, say to people when they start out, make sure that you get involved in, in the industry, that the, the sort of the associations and the, and the clubs and the groups, because again, back to what you're saying about mentoring and, and, and learning about beekeeping in your area. Because if, as we've just described, you can be where I have uh, hives in, in, uh, in Colchester County and experience a completely different season than where you might have hives in, in Mabu. So, um, and I've never, I don't think, uh, called a beekeeper and I have often just out of the blue and say, I'm in your area. Can I pop over and see how you're doing this? Or can I see your hives? And I've never been told no. Um, so yeah, I think for new people that, that, that would be my get out, get out there and learn what you can from the people who are doing it and, uh, and be assured that beekeepers love to talk about bees. That's the one thing we like to do. Exactly. We had an opportunity to talk about bees. You know, what, one of the things I do when I travel now, beekeeping is such a part of life that when I do travel, if I have to go to wherever the States or, you know, out West, I call around those areas, find out who the local beekeepers are, and I'll go to visit some. Uh, I've yeah. been to a lot of beautiful, beautiful setups. And uh, and it, like you say, all beekeepers are willing to talk about their business. It's they, one they thing we have in common. Yes. Uh, so Sandra, if, if um, with the same question to you really, if somebody was starting out and they were looking at, okay, I've, I've got the bees, 
now established and I want to work on the retail side with the honey and the value added products, what, what challenges would you, would you say, okay, just, just want to warn you about these few things that you're going to have a, a struggle with? Basically it was the, the only struggle I had was time because I started out like, you know, I was working full time and then making all the products myself and then selling at markets on the weekends. Yeah, it was my, like, I had no time. I basically worked all the time, but that was really my only challenge. I mean, sometimes when, you know, I played around with recipes because they didn't turn out quite the way I wanted, but other than that, it's basically time. And, and the products you found have just sold themselves. They just sold themselves. And social media is great for advertising yeah. because it's free. That's it is, how yeah. I did it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you, you depend on social media quite a bit to get the information yeah. out to your the customers. Yeah, and like I said, it's free, so why not use it, right? Yeah. What platforms are you are you on? I'm on um, Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good, good. Okay, um, so uh, I think I'd just like to ask both of you, um, where you feel the industry's going? Where, where, where are we going to be in a few years with this, with this beekeeping business? The industry has room to grow, especially in Atlantic Canada. I look at, uh, and not that I go there often, but I look at PEI as being one of the areas that beekeeping can grow quite a bit in New Brunswick. The pollination factor is allowing us to get that extra monies to get grow forward. And I think that's the key to it. There's a lots of demand in New Brunswick for pollination. I see Nova Scotia having more demands for pollination in the next few years. PEI has good demand for pollination. So that part of it is good. B sales are high on the, you know, for those people that want to get into the business, there's a great income source. I would think, and I uh, mentioned this at the Blueberry meeting the other day, that we can make more money selling our bees than we can putting them into pollination. Uh, personally, I don't sell any bees, but that it could be a thing of the future. So it sounds like there's opportunity there for, for people who want to come into beekeeping. Sandra, on, on, on the retail side, do you think there's going to be a point where the market is saturated if we, if we have new people coming in? I haven't noticed um, like my sales because I've got lots of competition at the market and I have not noticed a uh, decline in my sales. I mean, it might, but I haven't seen it so far. Well, that's good news for people that are starting out. I'd like to thank you both for your time today. I'll let you get back to your busy schedule. And thanks again for doing this. All right. All right. Talk to you and we'll hopefully talk again soon. Take okay. care, Andrew. You've been listening to What's the Buzz Without a podcast with me, Andrew Byers, and today's guests, Sandra and Mary O. Swinkles. If you'd like to find out more about Sandra and Mary O's business, you can go to their website, www.swinklesbeeproducts.ca. That's S-W-I-N-K-E-L-S, B as in the insect, B-E-E, products, swinklesbeeproducts.ca. Thank you, everyone, for listening to What's the Buzz with Ada. Your What's the Buzz with Ada beekeeping podcast is brought to you by your Atlantic Tech Transfer team for apiculture and perennial food and agriculture. 
We would like to thank Rachel Oxner and Patty Ryan for production and editing. And we would like to thank you, our listeners. For more information on beekeeping in our region, visit our blog, www.atabuzz.com and find us on Twitter, atta at Atlantic Bee. Honey,